The icy air was almost palpable to the throng of people gathered on Seville Row. Everyone had their necks craned upward to hear the blast of music coming from the nearby roof. Windows of the office buildings along the street were open and workers were hanging out of them to try to get a better look. The normal midday traffic screeched to a halt as a mass of people blocked their way. Policemen tried to control the situation, but more and more people kept arriving, eager to hear the strange but intoxicating music. Upon the roof, five musicians were belting out some new songs from their latest album and trying to stay warm in that unmercifully frigid wind. Many of the band had grabbed women's coats at the last minute to stave off the cold, but it wasn't really helping. John, Paul, George, and Ringo hadn't performed live together for an audience in a few years, and it showed. New to the mix, however, playing electric piano off of the side was a young Billy Preston. He had joined their recording sessions a week earlier and had invigorated the group, helping them finish their project. His good friend, George Harrison, had asked him to come, knowing that his laid-back, joyful demeanor would ease the tensions that had built between the members of the group. As Paul sang another version of Get Back, Billy tickled the keys of that piano, giving it that soulful lift and bounce. Everyone played better when Billy was in the room, even the Beatles. They'd met back in 1962 in Hamburg, Germany, while they are both playing the rock and roll clubs there. Billy was playing with Little Richard's band and struck up a friendship with the young, struggling Beatles, especially with George. They had kept up that friendship, even as their popularity had soared. As the police came and broke up the party, the Beatles and their entourage went back downstairs to the offices of Apple Records and talked about their future. When the single for the song Get Back came out, it said, The Beatles with Billy Preston. They wanted to thank him for all his help, for his musical contributions, and his years of friendship. Within another year or so, the Beatles would dissolve and go their own separate ways. Every one of them, except Paul, asked Billy to come back and record with them on their own solo records. And he did. Everybody loved Billy and knew that he was the absolute best in the business. He was born in Houston, 1946, to a very musically inclined family. Both his mother and older sister, Rodina, played the organ for their church and had won some acclaim for their talented playing. By the age of three, Billy had learned to play the piano just by sitting next to his sister while she practiced. Before long, he was playing organ in the church and took turns leading the choir. They moved to Los Angeles and was attending Victory Baptist Church there. The entire family was active in the church, especially the music services. By the age of 10, Billy was so impressive that he was playing the organ for the gospel's biggest star, Mahalia Jackson, when she visited the area. Here's a sample of her singing at that time. He was playing with Nat King Cole on his TV variety show. Here's the two of them singing Blueberry Hill. Would you join me, Mr. Cole? I'll be more than happy to. You started off. 
was so impressed with the 11-year-old that he helped him get the part of young W.C. Handy in the film St. Louis Blues. Cole played the musician and composer Handy as an adult. Handy is most famous for being the first person to publish any blues music. He wasn't the originator of the style, obviously, but by publishing the sheet music to Memphis Blues and St. Louis Blues, he helped spread the style to a much greater audience. Here's a sample of 12-year-old Billy in that 1958 movie. You're going to make us late for church. Aunt Hayden, I was just playing. If the open hymn is late starting again, your papa's going to... Now, what, what's that? I bought it last week. I keep it hid under the porch. If your papa ever finds out about that thing that you give it here, if don't you tell him I knew about this thing, come on. <laughs> Billy would continue to gain a reputation as a passionate, inspired organist for the church but he began to feel the pull to more secular music. At the age of 16, he joined Little Richard's band for his 1962 European comeback tour. After spending the last five years preaching the gospel and singing only religious music, Little Richard was convinced to join Sam Cooke on a tour of England and Germany. Richard thought he'd only be singing gospel music, but the fans were expecting rock and roll. After getting booed the first night and seeing how well Sam Cooke was received, Little Richard and Billy quickly rehearsed the old songs in the wings during Sam's set. Then they went out, jumped right into Long Tall Sally, and the crowd went wild. One night, they had to close the show early as so many screaming teenagers rushed the stage in excitement. There was such an uproar over Little Richard's return to rock and roll that young band manager Brian Epstein called the promoter and asked if he could get his new band, The Beatles, on the lineup as an opening act. They performed several shows together in England and then were asked to come to several dates in Germany as well. Little Richard took the young band under his wing and really helped them perfect their act. Billy became friends with all the Beatles, too, especially with George Harrison, a close friendship that would last their entire lives. Here's a sample of Little Richard and Billy playing together much later. Billy's playing the piano, and Little Richard is singing. Eventually, Billy felt the need to move on and joined Sam Cooke's band in 1963. He played organ on the now-classic Nightbeat album. Unlike a lot of Cooke's other work, this album really featured his amazing voice, backed sparingly by L.A.'s premier session musicians called The Wrecking Crew. One song that really features Billy Preston on the organ was their version of Little Red Rooster. I got a little red rooster Too lazy to crow for day I got a little red rooster Too lazy to crow for day He keeps everything in the barnyard Upset in every way that song was written by Willie Dixon just two years earlier and was recorded by Howling Wolf in 1962. It was covered again in 1964 by the Rolling Stones. All three versions hit different markets and were very successful. 
That same year, Billy got to release some of his own music on an album called 16-Year-Old Soul. It's all instrumental organ music, and it doesn't really capture his frenetic, soulful style. Here's a song called Good News that Billy co-wrote. record came out on Sam Cooke's new record label. Sam also recommended Billy for a new TV show that was being filmed in LA called Shindig. Billy was added to the house band that featured a lot of the Wrecking Crew standouts like Glenn Campbell, James Burton, Leon Russell, many, many more. Darlene Love was one of the main background singers, and the Righteous Brothers were performing regulars too. Sam Cooke was a guest artist for the pilot episode, and everyone who was popular at the time seems to have shown up for this new show. James Brown, Ike and Tina Turner, The Beach Boys, Marvin Gaye, The Supremes, Louis Armstrong, The Birds, Roy Orbison, Jerry Lee Lewis, and on and on and on. And that's just the U.S. version. All the British invasion bands were filmed in London and telecast on the show too, like The Beatles, The Kinks, The Stones, and The Who. Billy got to meet and play with all of these bands, or at least the ones filming in L.A. Even at a young age, he continued to make those connections and cement himself as the ultimate collaborator. He took whatever these great artists were doing and made it just a little bit better. He became so popular on the show that the producers started letting him have his own solos and performances and songs. Here's a clip of him singing and dancing like a young James Brown on this super popular show. Shindig was canceled after just two seasons, and Sam Cooke was shot and killed in 1965. But Billy had a lot of other friends to turn to. He met back up with Little Richard to record a few songs. His new guitarist, Jimi Hendrix, was there, as was Bernard Purdy on drums. The session yielded a soul classic called I Don't Know What You've Got. You never treat me kind You part all the time You don't mean me no good I'll leave you if only could I believe it's got me. He was really close friends with Sly Stone of Sly and the Family Stone, and they often worked together and helped each other finish songs. He also formed a group of his own called the Soul Brothers with some of his L.A. doo-wop friends, but it didn't really take off nationally. They all did get invited to hang out backstage with the Beatles when they performed in L.A. It was great for George and Billy and the rest of the Beatles to catch up after so much success had followed their early shows. In 1967, Billy joined Ray Charles' band. He'd been friends with Ray since childhood as Ray's recording studio was in Billy's neighborhood. Billy was a featured performer in Ray's shows. He got his own solos and was even allowed to sing some of his own songs. Here's a clip of Ray and Billy performing What I'd Say on The Ed Sullivan Show. Listen to the interplay between Ray on piano 
and Billy on organ. toured with Ray for a few years and still had time to produce some of his own solo albums. One was called The Wildest Organ Ever. He was on a break from Ray's tour when George Harrison called Billy in to come and save the Get Back sessions and help keep the Beatles from imploding. His work there kept him going a little while longer and he came back one more time to help out with the Abbey Road album as well, earning him the nickname as the Fifth Beatle. John actually proposed him becoming a full member of the band, but Paul nixed the idea, knowing they're probably going to break up soon anyway. If you haven't watched the eight-hour documentary, Get Back, it's hard to describe just how big of an emotional lift Billy gave them. Musically and emotionally, he helped them refocus and get back to becoming the Beatles. On Abbey Road, he worked on I Want You, She's So Heavy, and Something. was released in September of 1969, and by April 1970, Paul announced that the Beatles had officially broken up. The early 70s were a very busy time for Billy. He released his first solo record on the Beatles' Apple label the year before called That's the Way God Planned It. George Harrison produced the album. Here's a sample of the title track. How men be so greedy when there's so much left All things are God-given and they all have been blessed. That's the way God planned it. That's the way God wants it to be. be. That's the way God planned it. That's the way. He continued to work with George Harrison on the mega star studded triple album, All Good Things Must Pass. Billy actually released his biggest hit from that album, My Sweet Lord, the year earlier. In 1971, he performed with George again at the now-famous Concert for Bangladesh. He performed along with George and Ringo, Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan, Ravi Shankar, and a ton of other friends of the Harrisons. He also entertained everyone by performing with his own band at the after party. His solo work was really starting to take off at this period, too. In 1972, he had a big hit with the funky instrumental, Out of Space. (laughs) 
playing the clavinet there, wired through a wah-wah pedal. The song peaked at number two on Billboard, held back from the top spot by Bill Withers' Lean On Me. The song won him a Grammy for the best pop instrumental. He had three more gold records in the next few years with Will It Go Round in Circles? I've got a song, I ain't got no melody. I'm gonna sing it to my friend. Will it go round in And nothing from nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You gotta have something if you wanna be with me. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You gotta have something if you wanna be with me. His other song, Space Race, went to number four, but it's probably best remembered as the musical interlude played on American Bandstand from the mid 70s on. he did some more session work with Barbara Streisand and John Lennon. Around the same time, he started to record and tour with the Rolling Stones. He worked on the famous Exile on Main Street album, Sticky Fingers, and Goat's Head Soup, along with others from 1973 to 1977. He was such an essential part of that soul lace root sound of the Stones in that era that he was given time in the show to perform his own songs and extended solos on many of the Stones' hits. Here's a song from Exile that highlighted Billy's organ playing and musical influence. It's called Shine a Light. recorded a lot more with the Stones over the years and on both Mick Jagger's and Keith Richards' solo records. In 1974, he struck gold again when he wrote a song, along with co-producer Bruce Fisher, that became a huge hit for Joe Cocker. Billy released a great version of that song too, but everyone still remembers the one that Joe Cocker sang. It's called You Are So Beautiful. You are so beautiful Billy was outraged when he heard other people singing his song on stage to woo all the beautiful girls. He told everyone then that he'd written a song about his mother. On October 11, 1975, Billy became the very first musical guest on a new TV show called Saturday Night Live. 
George Carlin hosted that show, and Janice Ian also performed as well. Billy kept touring with the Stones and then began playing with Eric Clapton, and then with the band, who actually offered him a place in the band. In the late 1970s, he moved from A&M Records to Motown, which was kind of slumping then. He was teamed up with a young soul diva named Sarita, and their first collaboration became a big hit in 1979. It was originally featured in the movie soundtrack to a terrible basketball movie featuring Gabe Kaplan called Fast Break. That song went to number four, and it was called With You, I'm Born Again. From there, Billy started to work with Luther Vandross, Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston, and Patti LaBelle. But after that, his career started to take a few serious detours. Billy was almost universally loved by all those around him, especially in the music business, and by his legion of loyal fans. His wide, gap-toothed smile and huge, bouncing afro were legendary. Go to YouTube and just watch any of the hundreds of videos of him through the years, and you'll be uplifted and inspired by his positive energy and charisma. Unbeknownst to most, though, Billy was a very troubled man. He had a very serious drug and alcohol problem. The Beatles had been shocked at how much straight vodka the 16-year-old Billy was drinking when they first hung out with him. His addiction to cocaine and other drugs grew out of control, in parallel to his fame and adoration. Billy, though dedicated to his faith and religious upbringing, was gay, and he felt that he had to hide this from his friends, the church, and the public. He did have serious relationships with women, especially with Kathy Silva, with whom he was engaged. But he found her in bed with his friend Sly Stone, and according to her, he just totally went off the rails after that. As his coke addiction grew out of control in the 90s, his career finally began to slump. He was arrested twice for sexual assault after he had lured some guys back to his place. One of the victims was only 16. Billy, when finally confronted with his demons, revealed that he had been molested repeatedly by the piano player on tour when he was traveling with the production of Amos and Andy. He was only nine years old and he had kept him to himself for months. When he finally told his mother, she didn't even believe him and it continued for quite a while after that. He also claims to have been molested by a member of his church but never gave any more details than that. Regardless of these dark episodes in his past, Billy found a way to stay positive and gregarious, at least in public. Inside, he was torn apart by his guilt and shame, and he used drugs and alcohol to keep those demons at bay. He did have a few last blasts on his keyboards, though, however. In 2002, after his friend George Harrison died, he performed for the All-Star Concert for George. Paul McCartney rejoined Ringo for that tribute. Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne performed some Traveling Wilbury songs. Tom Hanks and members of Monty Python did some skits and songs. Billy sang My Sweet Lord and then was joined on stage with Eric Clapton for It's a Pity. Forgetting to give back Isn't a pity Billy Preston Some things take so long How do I explain when not too many people can see we're all the same? Billy did some very unusual work after that, playing with Johnny Cash on his version of Depeche Mode's Personal Jesus. 
He played with the Red Hot Chili Peppers on Stadium Arcadium. He played with Steve Winwood, Neil Diamond, and even appeared on American Idol in one of the final episodes to sing a duet. He backed up his old friend Ray Charles on the album Genius Loves Company when they did a duet of Here We Go Again with Nora Jones. After decades of self-abuse, Billy's kidneys finally failed him and he received a transplant in 2002. His health continued to falter after that, though, and he eventually passed away in 2006, falling into a coma months earlier. He had a star-studded funeral service with lots of guest performers and letters read from many of his musical collaborators. Unlike most of the musicians we've discussed here in this podcast, Billy's impact and influence is really hard to gauge. Most people, even though they love many of the records played here, may not even be aware that Billy was playing on some of their favorite songs. His style was influential at the time and is still remembered fondly by fellow musicians, but it's become so integrated into the fabric of modern music that his name is rarely credited. His work in gospel, R&B, soul, funk, and rock and roll is almost unrivaled. He simply has worked with the very best artists of each of these genres and continued to make their music even better. Billy may not have gotten the respect he so richly deserves lately, but his musical legacy in the tapestry of Texas and that of the entire world will be celebrated forever in his songs, his playing, and that wonderful infectious smile. Thank you.